Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Darwin. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabber, and alongside me today is not just Logan Camden, but also our resident chief experts here on Nerd Sesh, our correspondents, if you will, Gabe Swartz and Peyton T. Gallagher, here to talk, of course, about the upcoming Super Bowl with us today. So, gentlemen, first off, how's everybody doing? Uh, resplendent. Excellent. Great. Just a fantastic word there from Peyton. Okay. <laughs> Peyton so, Gallagher, mind you. Okay, I'll address you by full name every single time yes. with the middle initial. So, obviously, guys, this is one of the more highly anticipated Super Bowl matchups, it feels like, in recent memory, probably because of this historically great quarterback matchup. But we've seen, obviously, a full season of sample from these teams. Maybe didn't quite expect the Bucks to get to this point. Maybe some of us did. But as we look ahead, only one game left. Is there anything that we still have to learn about either of these teams that you expect us to learn in the Super Bowl? Let's start with Gabe. I don't really think so. At least I think that it it was very late developing in terms of the whole Tampa Bay situation. And obviously their last loss of the season was to Kansas city. Um, but eventually we got to the point where, and I don't know, I don't know how much of this is just complete BS and, and lies from Bruce Arians talking about giving more control of the offense to Tom Brady and how much of it is necessarily true. I think that it, that's probably going to be overstated in the event that the Buccaneers win, that he that Bruce will kind of fall on the sword, give Tom a lot more credit than necessarily what happened and such, um, just because the, the narrative surrounding it is going to be that Tom was the savior for this franchise and pulled them out of a seven and nine ranks and whatever. But I think for the most part, we know what these two teams are. Um, we know what the recipe is going to be for the Buccaneers winning. And we know what the recipe for the chiefs winning is like, I don't, there's a lot of visualizations and like thoughts I've had of how this game flows and how this game kind of pans out. And I don't really see like, I don't see a wide spectrum of outcomes. I see one or two ways that the Buccaneers win probably one. And I see one or two ways the chiefs win. Okay, interesting. Is there anything anyone thinks that we have yet to learn about the Chiefs? Because obviously it's a similar team to last year's championship squad, but is there anything that we still haven't learned about this team? I mean, haven't learned maybe a strong term. I think that people who, as the astute gentleman in the Zoom to my diagonal left, Gabe Schwartz and myself, who watch the Chiefs on a week-in, week-out basis, given I watched the entire league very closely – but specifically the Chiefs every game. People, I think, have fallen for this misnomer about the defense and what it is and that it is this Achilles heel when that has been so far from true in games of substance throughout the course of this year, really throughout the course of the back end of last year. I think a lot of people saw it a little bit against Buffalo, but from a national perspective, I think people are going to learn that Spagnola likes to vary stuff, and nothing looks like it does in play pre-snap. 
And Tom Brady, when they played the last time, really struggled with it. And I think it's going to be a huge part of this game is early on how he identifies, not what Kansas City is doing up front, because you get so caught up with the eye candy of guys cheating up, and it's never about that with the defense. It's how safeties are rolling coverage in the back end and what is an actual cover zero look versus a cover three. And you won't know what you're looking at until you're in the fray of the play. I think that's the biggest thing that we are going to learn in this game is how Brady is going to be able to handle that the second time around. But for the Chiefs, how much they are actually going to be able to disguise with two weeks off to prepare for this against an offense that looks completely different than when they took them on the first time. Yeah, I think that's an important point that you touched on, Peyton, because this is a Chiefs defense that obviously has not necessarily been a weakness, but if you were going to look at something on this team that you could theoretically pick on, it would be probably the defense. And I think that that's why people gravitate towards maybe exaggerating the deficiencies. I do think, though, during this regular season, we saw some quote-unquote cracks. We saw this team be the worst red zone defense. We saw them as a below-average third-down defense. But I sort of agree with you that that narrative really felt like it changed in that performance against the Bills when they contained really, really to me, the second-best offense in football. So I think that that brings us to another important question that's maybe a little bit unexpected because I think most people consider this Bucks defense to be arguably its strength, at the very least its pass rush to be perhaps its greatest strength, and they think – very much in the opposite way about the Chiefs defense. But which unit are you guys trusting more going into this game? Is it the Chiefs defense or the Bucks defense? Logan, let's start with you. Uh, I'm going with the Chiefs, honestly, because uh, of what Peyton uh, spoke with me about before the championship game against the Bills. I, I have been one of those guys that has hated on the Chiefs defense all season long. I've been skeptical, but Peyton literally laid out the exact way the Bills matchup was going to be played. So I trust Steve Spagnuolo to throw different coverages, but, but it really isn't I don't trust the Chiefs defense in a vacuum more. I just trust them more against Brady. I don't trust any defense against Patrick Mahomes. This is the greatest offense of all time. So, no, I'm not going to trust anybody to shut down Kelsey or Tyree Kill. It's simply the fact that, <laughs> no, I'm not taking any defense that's playing Patrick. I'd rather take on a 43-year-old Brady. And I know Spagnuolo knows how to make changes and uh, disguise coverages. So I'm going with the Chiefs. What about you guys? Uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set a T-game up here a little bit because – The thing that fascinates me the most is we're in a bubble, you and I, where we look at stuff from inside the fishbowl and everybody else is outside. And it's a completely different perspective. So when you're talking about the defense and kind of what it looks like for this Chiefs team, what do you see and where do you think people kind of miss? Um, Because I, I just to answer the question before moving on, like I still think Tampa has a, as you said perfectly, better defense than a vacuum their weakness is way easier to exploit though yeah and so here's the thing I would say the the thing that stands out to me is I'm I'm more on the side of where Logan's at like trusting the Chiefs defense because it is it it is it's been proven and it will continue to be proven that anticipating a defense is going to mess up the rhythm and the timing of Patrick Mahomes, whatever, like it's just not going to happen. And the stat that I think most exemplifies this, like Mahomes last 16 drives in the playoffs that haven't ended in a kneel down. They've had 10 touchdowns, five field goal attempts, one punt. The only punt was the Tyree kill 40 yard drop to open the bills game last week. So when all comes down to it, People are going to say the Chiefs have to – like, you have to keep the ball away from the Chiefs and such. They're going to get their possessions, and ultimately, barring them making their own mistakes, they're going to score. So what has to happen for the, the Bucks to win and such is something in the special teams game. Something yeah, – something, something. yeah, something out of, the, out of the realm of Patrick Mahomes' control likely has to happen, and – I mean, even the Bills got a chance at it, and then in a snap of a finger, it was gone. So I, I trust the Chiefs' defense more just because they there's already been evidence that Steve Spagnuolo has game-planned not only this year, but, like, years past against Brady. And and so I think that he'll find some way to um, scheme up and, and mess up Tom Brady. Yeah, no, absolutely and entirely agree with that. And I think the other thing that we have to also examine here – is that 
Pat played poorly despite winning MVP of the game last year's Super Bowl. Like Gabe and I agree, I think wholeheartedly, that aside from maybe the Baltimore game, his rookie year, which he also came back and won in spectacular fashion um, on fourth and forever, this is probably the worst game he's played in the Chiefs uniform was last year's Super Bowl, which is so weird to say, and that I think speaks volumes about the kind of player he is, but it was also like that the first half against New England in the AFC Championship before he turned it on. And in his first exposure to these big moments throughout his career, Pat has looked a little bit shakable. And the second time around, he's looked unstoppable. Last year's AFC Championship game, um, obviously this year's, he was a completely different player um, in terms of confidence and execution than he was in the first AFC title game in which they lost to New England and, of course, Tom Brady. I think we're also going to see him at a, a sharper focus probably in this game too. So let me ask you guys this then, because I largely agree. I think the Bucks in a vacuum have the better defense. I also think that they are a defense that has to gamble more. And maybe this is the inherent bias of saying they're going up against Patrick Mahomes, who makes you pay for those gambles time and again. But I think that that's true in this specific matchup. So how do you guys think the Bucks approach Mahomes in this game? Are they still going to be doing what they do best as far as constantly sending that fifth rusher, sometimes more than that? Or do they adjust in some way just out of fear of Mahomes destroying them in that way? Logan, do you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's like you said with Aaron Rodgers in our uh, preview of the championship games. You have to do something. I think you still send that fifth rusher. You still have to get pressure on Mahomes. But as Gabe has said, as Peyton has said, Mahomes is literally the, one of the greatest quarterbacks against the Blitz of all time. I don't think that you can – you're not going to stop Patrick. You're not going to – you're not going to fully shut him down with the blitz, but you at least have to make him uncomfortable. And we saw a few times, the few times that the Bills did get pressure, Mahomes forced a ball or two that was a little awry. And so I think that Tampa Bay is going to have to capitalize. Like you said, you're going to have to make a big play. You're going to have to get a couple turnovers to win this game because just playing Patrick Mahomes straight up regular is a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe to get blown out in the Super Bowl. So I think you still send that fifth rusher. I still think you try to get pressure on Mahomes. You just have to make him uncomfortable you know, as much as you can uh, to the greatest quarterback of all time. I think so. Mahomes was blitzed like the least of any quarterback in the league. And that's because he's the most efficient against the blitz of any quarterback in the league. So I think there's something to be said about them just trusting that they can get there with four guys and dying on that Hill. I also from like a selfish perspective of what I want to see happen is I would love if Todd Bowles was just like, go for it. Try to beat me the exact same way you did in week 12 and just try to incentivize Mahomes to bomb it deep to Tyree kill. You might get beat once, might get beat twice. And Logan, once again, let me say this. I'm saying this because this is what I want him to try to do because if it blows up, it either blows up in his face or it works. And he's like the boldest uh, he's coming into next season as a hot head coaching candidate and such. But I, I honestly think with the with the Chiefs' offensive line issues, which I think will be mitigated by the fact that Andy Reid's just going to do quick game and move the pocket and change where the base of the protection is. All of that said, I think that they might just have to try the same thing they did last time. And if if I don't think the pocket is going to necessarily be there long enough, it barely was there long enough with an eleven yard drop on the wasp play that went to Tyree kill in the last Super Bowl. So, and that was, that was with all of their start. That was with Fisher and Schwartz there against a good Niners rush. And I, I think that the Niners rush is better than this bucks rush, but this bucks rush against a depleted offensive line might be able to get there. Yeah. I've got a lot of thoughts on this. The whole thing about that. I'm so fascinated by this. I, Fisher is one of the most underrated tackles in the NFL early in his career pronounced a bust, I think, by the product of his draft class, was taken number one overall, partially because there just weren't a ton of elite dudes. But this guy has been so, so solid over the last five to six years. It's just been the baritone of consistency. So maybe his loss is a little bit more magnified, but I am going to throw some numbers at you. This offensive line thing isn't new. This has been the biggest weakness of the team the entirety of the year. Coming into the season, you knew you had Schwartz. You knew you had Fisher. That was a top five tackle tandem in the league. And usually that's good enough. But you draft an offensive lineman, a Niang, 
out of TCU with the intents on using him as a swing alignment to play tackles guard. Um, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif opts out of the season. You've had to shuffle stuff around on the inside. You bring Mike Remmers in, Kilgore, all this shuffling. They start a, a playoff game with one guy that was drafted before the seventh round. And with all that said, the Chiefs were still only fifth in the league in terms of the amount of sacks they gave up. It's because of Mahomes. He compensates for the offensive line. And it's because of Andy, they do things pre-snap with motion that make it impossible to just freely clear your mind as a defensive lineman and not have to think about, okay, am I going to have to blow up the chip guy? Am I going to have to blow up a, a crack back and try and destroy a sweet play, right? As a defenseman, you can't just get downhill. And it is so problematic. And it makes it so hard to get pressure consistently. And, oh, by the way, the other thing he does, aside from all these other schematic things that you can do to minimize what a team can do to generate pressure, Pat has the arm talent to descend into the pocket and make the same kind of throws that he can make from a normal standing pocket 10 yards downfield, and he almost never takes a negative play. He almost never gets sacked in that situation. And it's because he's got a rare arm that he's able to do that. And I think, you know, the interior pressure is the far more significant. Everybody's going to focus on Barrett and is going to focus on JPP, and rightfully so. And by the way, I, I we'll talk about this later. I am so excited to talk about the edge rushers in this game because it is a – phenomenal, phenomenal group of pass rushers. But with that said, it is so much more important for Dominican Sue and Vita Bea to dominate the interior of that offensive line than it is anything, anything to do with the tackles. And that's been a massive misdirection, I think, throughout the course of this week leading up to this game. At least that's my opinion of it. So it feels to me like basically what you just articulated is that there is no answer unless it's There's that no interior pressure. Okay. And so that's kind of how I feel as well. I think that if you're the Bucks, you stick to what you're good to. And if that's blitzing, then you blitz. And it worked to a certain extent against Rodgers. They weren't blitzing the whole game. They were getting pressure with four as well, which is obviously always a great recipe. But I think you do what you're comfortable with. So let's look at the other side now, because this Chiefs defense that we just talked about really did an excellent job of taking away all of the deep stuff from, in my opinion, the second best offense in football in the Buffalo Bills to where they were just making Josh try to, you know, take the underneath stuff time and again. And he got frustrated. And as they fell behind, he started trying to force it downfield and it was just never there. So for a Bucks offense that has been so dependent on keeping Brady protected in that clean pocket against the Chiefs pass rush that really did perform well last week and a Bucks offense that has been so dependent on the deep stuff, what sort of approach do we see the Chiefs take to this game? Gabe, what do you think? Well, I think that the Chiefs should if, – if I'm the Bucks offense and I'm going up against the Chiefs defense, I'm looking for success, you don't want to get into third down because the Chiefs defense statistically is at its weakest point on second down. They allow conversions on second down a lot more consistently than they do on third down. And that goes to the, that goes to the just, I guess, the narrative. And I don't know how much this is necessarily backed up by the stats, but it would it'd be backed up by – the what 18 games that I've seen with my eyes this year um, and the playoff success of last year that I agree with Peyton, the, the chiefs when, when necessary get stops on third down. And I can remember getting big third down stops against Derrick Henry in the playoffs last year when people thought, Oh, the chiefs run defense isn't very good. And statistically it wasn't statistically it showed up in the big times. So if I'm the bucks, I have to avoid getting into third and four, third and fives, and and all of these situations where it's must converts, or you just have to treat it like it's four down territory every time. Because any second half punt for the Chiefs, or for the Bucks, excuse me, is basically a concession of points because on average, Mahomes averages like 3.75 points per drive in the playoffs. Like a field goal or a punt is a loss every single time for the Bucks offense. So whatever they have to do, like Byron left, which – Anything past his own 40-yard line should be go-for-it territory, in my yeah, opinion, yeah. at any time in the game, and it, especially in the second half. So barring wild sacks and you being way behind the chains, they just have to be ultra-aggressive. And the, the way I would put it is if 
if you're thinking of it and you're Byron left, which I know this is probably a stupid way of putting it, but you have to think if I'm the chiefs, what do I want them to do right now? And almost always the chiefs will want people to kick field goals and punt in fourth and four, fourth and three. You have to trust Tom Brady to convert those, but you also have to do your best to not put yourself in those situations because that's when the Chiefs defense succeeds the most. Right. Absolutely. I, I want to get juried on this here in a second, Logan, because I think we're both based on the cultures of the teams that we grew up rooting for, because as much as this has been a revelation for the Chiefs, defensive franchise historically, right? Like it's it, Derek Thomas, it's Derek Johnson, Eric Berry, some of the defenses that I grew up with, it was defensive football. So, like, I think that we kind of see the game in a similar light in that extent. But for the Chiefs, I got to give credit to uh, Brett Beach. I mean, I've been very critical of him over the early going, but the thing that he did so well was identified, we've got something special in Pat Mahomes. How can we put things around him to accentuate that special talent? And the defense has been the epitome of that. Everybody talks about the offense, but – understanding we needed an aggressive defensive coordinator who's not going to do anything that is going to be predictable and easy to figure out. Um, A defense is going to take risks and gambles and personnel that's going to be able to capitalize on those opportunities. That's what he did when he went and got Tyron Matthew. That's how he's drafted. Legereus Sneed, the way they use him, he's going to be massive in this game. I think he's back from a concussion. He'll be able to play in this game. But the point being that, This defense doesn't come across, again, and I come back to this whole thing, when you watch them week in, week out, instead of just on red zone or instead of just looking at box scores, they don't look so good in those regards because you only see the big plays. But the point is the offense is going to score 30-plus. Mahomes has averaged 31.5 points per game in the six games he's lost in his career as a starter, the nine games, whatever it is. They don't lose because they don't score. They lose because the defense is occasionally unable to connect on one of those gambles. So for the Bucks, for them, it's identifying the odd opportunities where it is single high, pre-snap, figuring out when those opportunities to take the shots down the field are and connecting on them like they did right before half against Green Bay. It's just not going to be as obvious as it was in Lambeau. So let me ask this. Does it make sense to gamble against a Bucks defense that is so dependent on those deep shots, and when they do see those matchups, they just attack them like crazy. Is it yep. worth sticking? It's is it worth sticking to your identity so wholeheartedly, and then also maybe playing into the strength of this Bucks offense, Logan? What do you think? Well, I was going to ask that exact same question actually. Um, as it pertains, I would say I'm going to let Brady take the underneath stuff. I don't want him to take these deep shots because, as Peyton said, you run so much cover one. One of those shots is going to shoot you right in the foot, but I, honestly, though, I want to hear you guys' opinions on this because as Chiefs fans, you're never going to outshoot the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is always going to outscore you guys. Are you comfortable if Brady is going deep all game? Because, I don't know, him taking those risks, I trust Pat a lot more taking those deep shots than I definitely do Brady. Yeah, I, I want to answer that because I, I think that the part that, that is missed is that the Chiefs have to do that. And that's probably the part that I didn't explain. Because of their personnel, it is oriented towards the front end. And by the way, you're talking about two of the nastiest, meanest defensive tackles in the game. I, this is just a prop bet that I'm throwing out there. I don't know if you can bet it somewhere, but if there's an overall on roughing the passer calls, it will hit. Chris Jones and the Dominican Sue will combine for two or three of those, I promise you. But it's, it's what the Chiefs do up front. It's mean. It's nasty. They've got guys like Jones that can bat balls in the line of scrimmage. They need teams to hesitate and to think about taking that deep shot. That's the only thing they need is that extra second to get home because Chris Jones is a giraffe. He's six foot six. He's going to stick his arms up in the air and disrupt things down the field. If he gets that extra second, it's not about the personnel on the back end. You have to blitz because you have to be unpredictable because it is that extra second that it affords personnel on the back end other than Tyron Matthew. That isn't that special. Juan Thornhill has kind of come around and was a second round pick in his second year and is starting to make a little bit of a jump. Uh, Brashad Breland's a guy who has been cut multiple times. Traverius Ward was somebody nobody wanted. Legereus Sneed was a six-round pick. You have to do that because otherwise, as weird as it sounds, by putting those guys in situations where you've got the deep safety help, you're almost more so putting them on an island than they would be in this cover zero that they play because it is so unpredictable. And I think it's going to be – 
Go ahead, I would, just, I would just like to say on the note of uh, penalties and roughing the passers and such, if you are not like just from a gambling perspective, if you're not on will a rush roughing the passer penalty be called in the game? Yes. At plus plus one fifteen, with the two quarterbacks that get protected the most of any in the league, you're an absolute idiot. And Peyton is right on the mark because there is a, a 1 billion percent chance that either Frank Clark or Chris Jones gets roughing the passer on Tom Brady. And yeah, there's absolutely. a billion percent chance that at some point in this game, a late shove from Ndamukong Sue or Vita Vea is sending Mahomes to the turf with a Josh Allen-esque flop. And there's going to be a flag thrown. I, so I block. It's a lot. Vegas is giving away money right there. That's yes. what I will say. Absolutely. Also, like, just to add to that, Chris Jones, I'm pretty sure, is picked up. He hates Brady. Like, uh, I have never seen a defensive player just actively abhor a quarterback as violently as Chris Jones has. I'm pretty sure he's picked up a roughing the passer every single time he's seen Brady. Pretty sure there were multiple, like two or three, right, Gabe, in Tampa Bay earlier this year. No, absolutely. He's going to hit Brady on top of the head with his long arms and then get mad and then, like, tackle him five seconds after he let go of the ball on the next snap. That's what's going to happen. But just aside from that, I I think – When you also, the other part of this that I wanted to talk about, I know I'm talking a lot. I got so much to say on this game. But last time, and Gabe can attest to this, I texted him during the Tampa game when the Chiefs offense was going nuclear, right, in the first quarter. I said to him the only way Tampa Bay can stop them defensively is by actively trying to hurt Pat. And I know that's a bad thing to say. I'm starting to get into my Mike Florio type beat from last year. But, like, It's not necessarily intentionally trying to injure him, right? It's at all costs making that contact to get him off his spot because when he gets into avatar mode, he hits the avatar state, it's over for you. You have to find some way to distract him and get into his head. And that's what Tampa did, and that's how they came back into the game. They started bringing these five-man pressures. JPP, Sue got in some late hits that weren't called, and that's how you do it. And I honestly think, like, as bad as it sounds, some of this dirty stuff at the end of the play – in the pocket is going to be very significant in this game in some way or another. Also keep in mind, Pat's still dealing with that turf toe injury. That doesn't just go away. That is a broken big toe. And as much as turf toe sounds like silly, it is entirely about pain management and it's on his plant foot. He played through it perfectly against the bills. Didn't have a problem. Could be something to watch in this game. I don't know, but back to the point at hand. So, Peyton, obviously you touched on one of the keys from the Buck side in that opening matchup, which was really a fascinating game because obviously you have the Tyreek Hill 200-yard first quarter or whatever, and it seemed like we're trending towards a blowout, and then the Bucks do manage to come back and get within arm's reach in that game. Gabe, what do you think is the most important thing that we learned for either team from that game that maybe we see come back into play in this rematch? I actually don't think that people learned it. I actually don't think. I think that – I think that – we don't get, you know what? I, I think we're too nice to people and that overall in general, people make dumb football observations and we, we don't rightfully like convict them for those ob- observations. The fact that people aren't saying that that first game was a blowout, that they are like willingly and openly saying it was a three point game and that it was competitive when at no point in that game was the chiefs, win probability and all of those things like sub 75% and such after the first quarter, it took Travis Kelsey throwing a touchdown, trying to throw a touchdown pass to Patrick Mahomes and them not completing it because his glove was too sticky. And then them kicking a field goal from the one yard line. It took a fumble in the red zone. It, they were 0 for three on red zone trips against the, the um, bucks in the first game. All of those things considered it's the, it's the same thing I was saying about the Chiefs before they played the Bills. I said the Bills had, what was it, eight, eight red zone trips that they, fa- that they faced against opposing teams. Each one came away with an average of like two points or whatever it was or less. That's just not going to happen. And assuming that Patrick Mahomes doesn't do something completely stupid, which there's not very much body of evidence to support that he would, um, I just – I don't think the Bucks have much hope. Like the – I continue to go back to you're going to need two or three of like McCole Hardman fumbles on punt returns and that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I will say though, it is important to know for the defense of the Buccaneers that Vita Vea was not available in the first time they played. And honestly, 
as weird as it may sound, given some of the, the horses they have, may be their best defensive player. Like, honest to God, hand to God, might be their best defensive player. It's probably him, Devin White, or Shaq Barrett. Um, they're all freaks. And I, I will also say that Devin White is a lot healthier now and playing at a much higher level now than he did the first time against Kansas City. And I think that's a key matchup, honestly. I think what we're going to see with Kelsey is you don't change anything. Devin White just shadows. He's athletic enough to give him some problems. Don't blitz him. Use him as a cover guy and get physical at the point of attack. No free releases for Travis Kelsey. Maybe the Chiefs can hurt him in the run game that way if Devin White's committing to a tight end like that. But I would if you're going to win with Clyde edwards Lair, you're going to win with Clyde edwards Lair, and that's just it. So. So, Gabe, it sounds like your takeaway is just that the Chiefs are that much better than the Bucs, basically, and that people are maybe overestimating how close this game is going to be, which I generally agree with. Peyton, you seem a little bit frustrated by that. I thought you were trying to paint him into a corner, Carson. No, I'm not. No, I'm completely okay with being painted into that corner. I agree. I don't think this should be a a three-point spread. I don't think people should be saying that they just have a feeling that the Bucs are going to win because of Tom Brady. This isn't Tom Brady of five years ago. He's not going to pull something superhuman. So, Logan, I know that you have touched on the temptation to go with the Bucs, and I don't think that's where you landed, but – is there anything to you from that first matchup that suggests, okay, the Bucs did this successfully. There's something they can take into this game that'll maybe make this more competitive than Gabe or I might think. To put it simply, hell no. No, there was <laughs> nothing from that first game that I, that gave me any hope for the Buccaneers. I mean, the interceptions that Brady threw in that game, I, it sticks to a point of what you were saying. This is not the same Brady. If you get pressure mm-hmm. on this guy, he crumbles like a cookie. I mean, the Chiefs did it last time. You saw it in the Saints game. He threw up three ducks. Brady is going to – I mean, I would put – Brady's going to throw up a couple ducks in this game pretty easily. And I also want to touch on another point that doesn't help the Bucks defense at all. Gabe, you were talking about, and I know this is an ideal scenario for you, that Todd Bowles just gambles with Tyree Kill. That's the worst thing the Buccaneers defense can do. I mean, I'm dropping – I'm going cover three, cover four, cover two all game. That is the last thing I want to happen to have Tyree Kill torch me on a few big plays that immediately put us down. Um, no, I, I – I feel like we're, we're hitting on the same redundant point here, but no, I don't think there's a massive discrepancy between both of these teams. I think the Chiefs are more supremely talented. I think this is old man Brady, and uh, without significant adjustments in that first matchup, I think this is another blowout. And Gabe, I agree with you about how the game is being discussed a little bit because having watched it, it never felt close. And I guess, I mean, the Bucks had it at a field goal game with four and a half minutes left, but it never really felt like that. The Chiefs had 546 yards of total offense, the chunk plays just came so effortlessly. So you talked about it there, Logan, with taking those gambles against Tyreek. And Peyton, you also talked about it on, you know, having to play Kelsey so tight. It's interesting to me because it feels like those two have rotated between being the guy who just completely dominates the opposition. Obviously, Hill was the more successful in the first matchup, but who do we think dominates this game more? Is it Kelsey or is it Tyreek? Can I, can I jump in here? Because I've got some Mythbuster yeah. stuff that I want to get into now. Because, like, you got me really fired up. Brady, I, you are absolutely right. And I'm the superstitious guy that was like, when they saw the Titans somehow in the AFC title, Gabe will tell you this. I'm like, it's the prophecy. They always find a way to lose to the Titans in the most absurd way. And given the Chiefs have been through so much playoff heartache that you couldn't trust anything, even as marvelous as Patrick Mahomes, until they did it which is a massive relief and changed everything in the topography of how you look at the team, at least for me, right? But that is only to illustrate the point that I am susceptible personally to the mysticism of just gut feelings, right? And when you look at Brady, it's I, he's not Tom Brady, but he's here again. He's here again. And he always gets here, and he always does it, and he is a comic book bad guy where you just have to, even if he looks weak in a moment of weakness, that's where he turns the tables. And here's the football analysis part of it, okay? Some of those interceptions that he's been throwing are downright cowardly. Him throwing his body out of the way, throwing himself off his throwing platform, and by no means am I a quarterback guru, but I think Tom Brady would tell you as much of the same if you had truth serum on him. He was just trying to avoid hits because he's 43 years old, trying to get to this moment. I think he stands in and takes those hits in this game. Maybe he doesn't, but this is a, the biggest accomplishment, in my opinion, of his professional career 
single accomplishment is on the line in this game. You could argue the Kurt Warner Rams, but this would be the best team that he's felled in the Super Bowl. Personally, in my opinion, I think that's a pretty clear argument, considering the Chiefs would have been, aside from a fluke game against the Raiders, and if they had wanted to, an undefeated football team because they would have trotted out their starters and beaten the Chargers in, in the last week of the season. This is the best opponent he's seen. This is an opportunity to put himself that much further ahead of the guy who's probably the only guy in the current sphere of football, other than maybe like Arch Manning, that has any chance of catching him. And that I made the point, as everybody scoffs at me for the Arch Manning thing, to say, yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. Arch Manning probably isn't going to be that, but you have to like bet on potential that much, that much, to think anybody could catch Brady. He has been in a Super Bowl. Pretty much over the last 20 years, every other season, that is impossible. And he's here again with a different team, and you just can't write it off because he's Tom Brady. He's, there, no football analysis needed there. He is Tom freaking Brady. All right, that was an excellent answer to the question about Tyreek Hill and Drake. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, here's wait, the other no. part. Sorry. There's no, no. no, because I think it is an important point. I just don't share that feeling, Peyton, and I also don't share your presumption that – Brady is suddenly going to become the hero who's willing to take every hit. We've seen Brady, and maybe it was more exaggerated when he tries to throw up that ball when Mike Evans had his guy clearly beat on the outside, and he's sort of like half gambling because yeah. he sees that he's beat, but he doesn't actually want to throw his right. body into it and take the hit. That's a great Absolutely. illustration of Brady's quote-unquote cowardice, but Brady has been throwing away balls as soon as he senses pressure for five years now. And I don't yep. think that has changed in the biggest games. It's a constant act of self-preservation. And that is Absolutely. not just season long. That's within each game. So I don't think that he's suddenly going to be throwing dots all over the field. And by the way, I just don't think he's as accurate of a thrower as he used to be, even downfield. No. Some not of them, there's not that much pressure. He just floats the ball up, and it's it's just an inaccurate duck. Yeah. Logan yeah. would say. So absolutely. So I just don't have I just don't have that same fear. To me, you can make a distinction. And by the way, Brady has not gotten it done every time. Brady has been the victim of two of the most famous upsets in Super Bowl history. Absolutely, he did not show up and play his best. This isn't Joe Montana, who's actually perfect in Super Bowls. Right. Like you look at his stats and you can't believe it. Brady's been human. So. I just yep. don't share that same mystique. But let's get now to the weapons question. Actually, Peyton, if you want to respond. No, wait, 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 wait. I was wait. just going to say everything you said is right, and there's still a part of my brain that can't deny it. Like, okay. I agree with everything you just said, and it's still just Tom Brady, and that hangs over your head. Gabe? Unlike Peyton, I actually am a teacher's pet, so I will answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gabe. Um, I think that the, the guy who impacts the game more because – as much as I want it to happen, I don't think that I don't think that Todd Bowles is actually gonna do it. I, I think it's a safer bet that Travis Kelsey is what he's supposed to be. Um, although I do think Tyree Kill is going to make one play that he's the only person on earth who can make. And maybe it's maybe it's the fifteen yard slant that turns into a seventy one yard gain like he did against the Bills. And maybe it's a long throw like he does when he burnt Carlton Davis in the first matchup. Um, I think that that's what's going to happen, but it, it is more important for the chiefs to establish the Kelsey and throw it to him on little dump offs. And if, if the bucks decide to, to go zone coverage or whatever, and he finds all the holes and such, it's more important that the chiefs do that than it is that they run the ball on first and 10 with a couple draw plays to Clyde Edwards, Alaire. So I think it's, it's, they know that the most important thing, and even when they were struggling in the, in the playoff games last year against the Texans and Titans, honestly, it's because Travis Kelsey dropped multiple open first downs. And if not for that, we're not even talking about the historical comebacks that they had. It would have been, the game would have been over a lot quicker than it, it was um, anyways. So I think Travis Kelsey is the bigger one, but I, I do think that there is also, it can't be overstated how important Sammy Watkins playing is for opening up Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And that's something that I think that most people are overlooking is just how yep. much more efficient the Chiefs offense gets when he plays. Yeah, because he never plays. But anyway, Logan? <laughs> so the question here, am I going Kelsey or Hill as the bigger weapon? I'm still going to go Tyreek here uh, just because of what he can do pre-play, pre-snap, just because you have to put guys in motion to open stuff up like that. Um, 
And I also think the Bucks personnel is just built a little more to take down uh, Travis instead, just to X him out a little more. As you've, we've talked about, Devin White, Levante David, two of the best coverage linebackers in the game. But I, I just think Tyreek – would I rather have Hill or Kelsey? I'm taking Tyreek because that big shot is always available when he gets out there. Um, I do want to ask you guys after we get off this point about the uh, run game, but that'll come. Peyton, uh, what you yeah. got? Well, the thing is the teams just cower when they play the Chiefs because they know the awesome capability and the strike power. And I feel like defense has just kind of got to live with that more than they do. And, again, easy for me to armchair quarterback here and tell, you know, guys to play the game a different – but the Bucs need to play with edge. Not that you can't, you can't jam Tyreek Hill. It's just foolish. There's not a corner on earth that isn't going to lose that battle once or twice and get burned for a touchdown. But with, with Kelsey, no free releases, I think we should see Devin White up in his face a lot. Differently, though, to answer the actual question, when you talk about who's going to have the bigger game between Kelsey and Hill, I'm going to kind of answer the question and kind of not. They operate in tandem. It's like in Power Rangers, whenever they like link up and the powers would be magnified that much more and they're like Megazord or whatever. That's, that's Kelsey and Hill because you can't, because of how the offense operates, you can't choose one. And we talk about all these things that you can do to prevent Hill from taking the top off. And you can limit it by playing these deep cloud cover fours and threes. But the thing that is different, that makes the Chiefs offense different, that traditional wisdom does not combat, is the fact that Tyreek Hill, against those coverages, sometimes it doesn't matter because even with the deep safety help, he still just is so fast, he beats the safety to the angle and he scores anyway. And even still, when that's baked in, when you're playing those deep cloud covers, what people don't understand is that means that the linebackers are that much more stretched to cover that much more ground. We're talking about 20 to 30 square yards. And that's where Kelsey eats. So unless you can have somebody who can man guard Kelsey and make it hard for him, when Hill goes over the top, Kelsey goes underneath and you kill cover two, you kill cover three, you kill cover four, zones off the table. The other thing the Chiefs can do that is unparalleled in the history of this game is that Tyreek Hill is as fast in a straight line as he is running in the straight diagonal line across the field. And there is not a coverage known to man that can stop that because with the zone stuff, it's about keeping stuff in front of you. And that works when somebody's running in the straight line, but when they're trying to cross your face, that doesn't fly. And that's what Tony Romo actually pointed this out a couple weeks ago. And I've really been harping on it. The fact that Tyreek Hill can run a nine route, but do it with his hips turned running diagonally and be just as effective is something we've never seen in the history of NFL football. And is why this chiefs offense has taken even another step from where they were last year. There is not a defense that I know of that can combat that. Well, first of all, Peyton, I think you're right that they're inseparable and that's part of what makes is so interesting. It's that when one of them starts to get going, then they enable the other one to get exactly. going as much. So it's a multiplying effect. I'm fascinated because I do think, as we talked about, this is a Bucks defense that is going to gamble. And when you gamble, you have the constant threat of Tyreek getting behind the defense. You also have the fact that there's going to be a lot of Kelsey over the middle opened up probably just because that's going to be the quickest yep. hitting stuff. And so I know that we like to talk about the strength of this linebacking core, but if you actually look at Devin White and covers this year, I think he allowed a passer rating of 109. Levante David is a little bit better, but I assume that White will assume most of the duties there. So I still believe that he's strong there, but is it strong enough to make an impact against Travis Kelsey, who is well, maybe the greatest receiving tight end we've ever seen? Let, let me clarify. So Kelsey is a great tight end in all respects. He is the best tight end in the history of NFL football. I say this without a shadow of a doubt against zone coverage. I'm not recommending that. I don't want Devin White to play a linebacker. I want him to shadow him like a corner and play man coverage because he's athletic enough to do that. And I think that might be the solve. That's how they might be able to get a couple stops. Okay. Logan, I know you said you wanted to ask about the run game. Actually, I got, I got a different question. Peyton, you talk about all the schemes that you want to run against Kelsey and Hill. What do you think is the best coverage that the Bucs can rely on play in, play out? Do they just run man up, uh, rush four, cover two all game? Or what, what are you running against them if you can't rely on zone? So it, it's tough, especially when the Chiefs are able to line up Kelsey and Hill on the same side of the field. Because you can't bracket underneath with a zone guy and handle both of them. And if you're committing a linebacker and man coverage in white to the strong side that Hill's on, you can't cover up underneath and commit a man linebacker because I'm starting to get into deep football weeds. But, like, pretty much the 
Chiefs can identify that and say, you're doing that. We're just going to run the ball the other way, and there's going to be no linebacker there, and we only have to block, like, two people, and it's going to be a big game. So that, that's off the table. And, it, again, it's, there is no answer, right? There is absolutely no answer. What I, I'm recommending, though, is more so committing that consistent bracket to Hill, making sure you're limiting the opportunities to go deep because you're not going to take them all away. And you've got a guy that at least is punishing Kelsey play in, play out, and making it difficult. A guy who is a little bit more contact averse, Kelsey, is not the guy who is the most physical. He's not Gronk. He's more of a smooth moother. He gets down, doesn't take the big hits. Make him earn it. Again, with the Chiefs, it's just about getting in their face, playing with an edge, and not giving them anything without at least putting up a fight. Because I feel like so many teams just try and, like, turtle up and make sure they don't get embarrassed. And that's not how they're going to win this game. Peyton basically gave me the long answer of the Chiefs are, are just unstoppable. Good luck. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's the case. It's the case. But you can't treat it like that if you're going to win the Super Bowl. You can't. Um, this is a question I guess I have for whoever Carson, Gabe, Peyton, whoever wants to take this. Who do you guys think uh, stands to capitalize more off of the run game uh, in the Super Bowl? I got, I got this. Okay. I think that the biggest – I think that my bold prediction for the game, longest – rushing play comes from McCall Hardman. I, yes, bang that, bang that. McCall going to do something in this game. It's either going to be really bad or really good. It's going to be a jet sweep that instead of, instead of it getting tackled on like the 20 yard line where it did against the bills, it just ends up in a touchdown. And I honestly, I know that they count as passes, but like the touch passes, Mm -hmm. the chiefs will use one of those to slow rushes and such like that. So I, I honestly have more confidence in McCall Hardman being a bigger threat in the run game than like Leonard Fournette's one to two yard gain on 22 double on the first down on every drive. If the Buccaneers are doing that, they're signing their death certificate, which I mean, they're going to be signing their death death certificate anyways, because they're playing Patrick LeVon Mahomes and Andy Reid, who are 10 and 0 with two weeks to prepare. So it's, that's I, I'm oversimplifying it, and so I know that I'm not giving you the best answer, Logan. But I would say it's telling that no over under yardage prop in that you can bet on is over 48 yards for anyone in this game. So if there's like any run play of over 20 yards in this game will be like a shock to the system, um, especially if it's out of out of just a, a typical handoff, in my opinion. I agree. And so I guess the question is, do we see the Bucs even attempt that? Because, Gabe, you talked about the kind of hyper-aggression that you need, particularly going for it on fourth down. But I think that also applies to just attacking through the air because the percentages are in your favor. And if you run that ball on first down and it's a gain of one or a gain of two, there's just no incentive to continue to do that. So, Logan, you're the one who asked the question, but do you think that we see the Bucs lean into the run game at all? Because there have been times when they've completely abandoned it this season. There have been times when it's been a strength of theirs. Which way do we go in this game? I mean, I think you have to because, uh, I mean, we saw what Arians did against um, – I mean, where he just completely – he's done it a few times this season where he just has completely decided to opt out of the run game. You can't do that against the Chiefs. You at least have to keep them off balance – I mean, ideal scenario, you get Fournette going for a few six, seven-yard gains. And we saw that last time against the Chiefs where you would have consecutive runs or seven or six yards. The issue, though, the Chiefs would come back on these play-action passes, and they'd just get in Brady's face because it takes so long to set up. Spagnuolo would time it out perfectly. He'd know when to blitz, and he'd get in Brady's face. So I think the Bucks have to set the run tempo. They have to get the Chiefs off balance, and they have to capitalize with play-action. That being said, though, no, I think – I think you have to focus way more on the pass this game because you are going up against Patrick Mahomes. You need these big shot plays. But if you are going to fully commit to the pass, I don't know. I feel like in so many different ways, we were just saying this is yep. such an uphill battle for the Bucks, but it really is in every facet of the game. Well, let me, let me lay out the formula and why I think some of the numeric stuff goes out. I agree with you on the fourth down, everything, and how this offense is architected. It makes it a little harder because it's a vertical passing game. It's not meant for fourth and medium. That's where Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown step in in massive roles. And Godwin getting back healthy, he's kind of become Brady's guy. Same thing with Gronk, too, as well, who is significantly better as a player than he was when the Chiefs played the Bucks last. That's also important to note. That said, it gets so much harder to diagnose what the Chiefs are doing when you're throwing every single time. And that's why they can jump on teams when they get a lead. 
to that end, I know it sounds stupid and antiquated to say you have to run the football to keep a defense honest, but if there's a defense that it is true against, it is this one. So you have to not only run the football because running into a cloud of dust is not going to win you this game. That's obvious. They have to score points. They have to do it quickly. Keeping the ball away from Pat doesn't matter because he scores every time he gets the ball. So it's about a percentage thing instead of a time of possession thing. If he's going to score 75% of the times he gets the ball and there are going to be fewer possessions, it's going to be the same outcome, right? The point is you have to be able to run the ball so that throwing the ball and identifying those shots down the field becomes possible. Because if you aren't able to get four, five, six yards per carry running it, it's going to be virtually impossible for you to hit enough gambles to win this game. And that's kind of my take on it. And that's where Leonard Fournette and even more so Ronald Jones in the extended run game with the screens, because what he can do after the catch is ridiculous. Those guys become so important. The Chiefs do such a good job as defense taking away the edge. That's what they're elite at because of what Tyron Matthew provides the back end. We've not talked enough about him yet. He honestly might be the Chiefs' second best player. And I know that's ludicrous to say, but he is that good. Um, you have to, between the tackles, get it going. Ali Marpet is a massive part of that. Double teaming Chris Jones, working up the linebackers and getting that ground game going early on. So in the second half, Spagnola can't just throw everything in the kitchen sink at you and you have no idea what's coming. Yeah, I think that you're right, Peyton. I think that the reason that it's most essential is just for the play action game because that is how you're going to get your best looks at those shots <laughs> downfield. And with a clean pocket, that is when Brady is most dangerous, obviously. Absolutely. So – as we sort of wind down here, what do you guys think is ultimately going to decide this game? It's just, if it's something we've talked about, if it's something that we haven't introduced yet, one factor that you think, and we've talked about how much of an uphill battle it is for the Bucs, but what is the deciding factor? What is a key matchup? Gabe, let's start with you. I mean, this game comes down to Patrick Mahomes. It always will, and it always has, and it yep. always will continue to. Um, it's boring. It's obvious analysis, but that's the truth. And it, it's boring analysis, but it's not boring to watch it play out because I, as every one of us had a front seat for um, in the AFC championship game. And you better believe I will not forget that both of you two picked against the Chiefs. Um, Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't matter which way you try to defend him. He's going to figure it out. And most times, your, your best hope that first year was like the, the, the Patriots figured him out for a first half. And then the second half, he had every answer to the quiz and there was, there was corrections and there was redos and he figured it all out. Um, this time he doesn't need as many looks to figure out what he's seeing and figure out where he's going to go and how he's going to just break your heart. It's going to be quick. And I think that, I think that we could have a very ugly Super Bowl and to, to get to the, I think Carson's on the same page as I am that the fact that the gambling spread is at three and a half is just a product of the fact that Vegas knows people are willing to bet on Tom Brady and people would kind of raise their eye and know something's up or something's afoot. If the line was four and a half or five and a half or six or something like that, that the chiefs, I mean, they're not great against the spread and that obviously factors into the numbers, but the amount of late garbage time touchdowns that have made games closer than they actually were, is is so high so I would say it's obviously Patrick Mahomes and it's obviously going to be just a matter of which way do the Bucks decide to die and is is it is it the slow zone coverage I hate this arrogance by the way it, it freaks me out that he's this this confident it freaks me out <laughs> is it the slow matriculation of down the field or is it deep plays and deep throws to Tyree Kill like it was in the first matchup I would lean toward it being the second one but I hope it's the um, or I, I would lean toward it being zone coverage and not just straight up man to man. Let's get our butts kicked by Tyree kill. But if it happens, I will enjoy it all like thoroughly. Mm -hmm. Peyton, what do you think? See, I'm not ready to do that yet. I think the Bucks have some things that they can do that we've not seen them do all year granted, but their personnel dictates that they're capable of to make this look like a completely different thing than what we might think it looks like. Um, I think when you talk about, like I said, the defensive line, I think the Dominican Sue is a guy that I wanted to talk about coming into this podcast. One of the most underrated players in the history of this game, 
historically, when you looked at how he was regarded early in his career, I think some of the antics on the field obviously facilitated a negative opinion of him, that he was a problem. Um, what he meant to the Rams in their Super Bowl run a couple years ago, um, obviously to get beat by Tom Brady, he's been overshadowed by great interior defensive linemen, a la Aaron Donald, who kind of took his, his spot as that guy that you fear on the inside. But what him and Vita Vea can do, forcing Pat to drop into the pocket and allowing those edge rushers to just get upfield without remorse, that is massive. And it's something that they, if they are able to do with four, could cause some problems. Like we're talking about an elite tandem on the inside that Tampa didn't have in the first meeting. Secondly, the short game, which is something that Arians hasn't done, something that Brady has struggled a little bit more with as of late, despite, you know, some of the narratives about him being a check down quarterback at times, the end of New England, and that's how they were effective in a game manager. The zip on his passes, he's still got a great deep ball because he's got great touch and angle perception. The zip on his intermediate game has gone a little bit and has allowed guys to read him and pick him off and take it to the end zone. That happened a lot early in this year. It happened a lot at the back end of last year. They became more vertical-oriented, but I think for them to win this game, it's going to be Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Gronk on second and six, picking up eight-yard catches and then turning upfield. I really do think that's going to be massive. And if they can do that, they will be able to score with the Chiefs in a game that will end 31-38. Something of that ilk. I'm still taking Kansas City, absolutely. But I do think there are things that Tampa can do to make this close and give them a chance with the greatest quarterback in the history of the game to have a chance at the end. And that's all you need. Logan, what do you think? I I think Peyton touched on some really good points. I mean, down to down, they the Buccaneers have the weapons to attack this Chiefs secondary. I'm not – actually, and I will say, Gabe, I love your arrogance. Keep it keep it coming, man. I mean, if the Chiefs do lose, we'll have some great cold takes to post on NerdSesh later. So, pour it on us. Um, I think I, I'm going to side with Gabe here, I think, a little bit. If the Chiefs – if Patrick Mahomes has the ball last, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I think they win this football game. But – um, and I think Peyton hit on a good one as well. I'm going to go more in the turnover battle. I think the Bucks have to get multiple, um, at least one, to make this game competitive. You just have to – if it's a Michael Hardman fumble like we saw against the Bills, if it's whatever you can get, you just have to get the Chiefs off the field. And nope. so I think the Bucks have to get multiple turnovers in this game to win. Um, nope. That being said, I, I'm still rocking with the Chiefs. Yep. One yeah. other thing. One other thing. I, this is going to sound really stupid. We're going to know a lot. Early on, potentially, if the Chiefs take the ball first, that's a win for Tampa. Because when Patrick Mahomes has a lead at halftime and gets the ball out of half, it's over. It is over for you because he's scoring again, and then he's got a two-score lead in the second half. And that's ball game, folks. And, like, I think if Tampa wins the toss, they have to defer, and that actually will be important. Also, I just wanted to add that as well. So I think that the most key matchup here is going to be what we see on the edges between – Shaq Barrett, JPP, and obviously a couple of backup linemen. But I also think, because I expect Shaq and JPP to win those matchups to a certain extent, I still am not sure that that will matter, though, because this is not just the greatest arm talent we've ever seen. This is the greatest quick-hitting offense that we've ever seen in the passing game. It's unfair, the things that Andy Reid and Mahomes are able to pull out in third and fourth and shorts. And I think that you can just dime this defense up, even if you are getting pressure that consistently. So... That to me is sort of what I'm looking at. Let's get now into our official predictions because we have all basically leaned Chiefs pretty heavy. Peyton, you have maybe expressed the most skepticism. How, Logan, how is that? How is that the out? Like no, like no, like oh, I'm just saying it hasn't been much, but it's probably no, been the no, most. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying how because I obviously am the most skeptical, and it's like how did we arrive at this point? I don't know. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll start then because I'll tell you why. I think that this game has an undeserved aura around it because it's the Super Bowl. The Bucs are not the second best team in football. The Buffalo Bills were the second best team in football and the Chiefs did away with them like that. The Bills offense was measurably better than the Bucs. And yes, maybe the one thing that throws this into question is the Bucs pass rush is a weapon that the Bills did not have. But I think that we've both talked about the many ways in which the Chiefs can still dissect that. So I think it's a 10-point game. I think it's 31-21. The Chiefs have not scored under 31 in a single playoff game that Mahomes has played start to finish. The only time they've gone under was in that Browns game. So I don't think that the Bucs can actually stop them. And by the way, we are going to see a human version of Brady, in my opinion. He threw three interceptions last week, and it didn't end up hurting them because of mistakes on the Packers' end. 
He's not going toe-to-toe. I'll say it again. The Chiefs already dismantled the second-best team in football. And I know that I'm the guy who picked against the Chiefs. I'm also the guy who declared earlier in this season that the Chiefs were the best team of the 21st century. I just thought that there was a team that had a formula to beat them, maybe, and I wanted to take a chance. I don't think the Bucs are that team, even though I've been a Bucs advocate too. I picked them to beat the Packers before the playoffs because they had a matchup advantage there. I don't think they have any sort of matchup advantage against the Chiefs, and I don't think it's a very close game. So, Logan, what do you think? Um, like I do in the uh, weekly Blaze meetings, uh, what Carson said, that was that – was- uh, he articulated that well. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I think I'm leaning between two scores and one. I'm going to finalize on, I think, 28-37. I think it's high scoring on both sides. But I, Patrick Mahomes, you already laid out the stats, Gabe. Patrick Mahomes get, gets buckets, bro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go, Gabe, and then let's end with Peyton because I'm interested in what the exact predict- – I bet Peyton will still pick him by a touchdown or something. But, oh. Gabe, what do you think? I love that Peyton is so pessimistic because I, my job, and I haven't been able to watch the games with him this year because I still haven't got back to Phoenix yet, but my job when watching Chiefs games with Peyton, whether it's texting or whether it's in person, <laughs> is to calm his nerves and to tell him we have Patrick Mahomes. We have Patrick Mahomes. We, WHPM is the motto at all times for Gabriel Schwartz, and I will continue to say that during the Super Bowl. So in terms of predicting the Super Bowl, everyone knows I'm picking the Chiefs, and I'm going to do a little – I'm going to take you through the mind of myself and give you a, a, little, a, a little snippet into how we arrive at the score prediction. So the Chiefs had a fumble in the red zone which I'm going to uh, give them seven points for that trip that they didn't get in the first game. I'm giving them four extra points for the, the touchdown that should have been scored uh, when the Chiefs went with a Travis Kelsey pass that turned into an incompletion and a 19-yard field goal. So just on those two drives alone, I'm adding 11 points to their score. So I'm going 38. And I think, like Carson said, I think that Brady is pretty human. I think he throws a couple picks. I think that Tyron Matthew picks him off, yells in his face. Chris Jones gets a roughing the passer to celebrate. Frank Clark is the shark just all up in his grill. And I think 38-24 is the score prediction. So I think they win going away. Okay. My turn? Yes. My turn. 36-34 Kansas City. Missed extra points somewhere along the way. A defensive score along the way at some point. I bet it's for Tampa off just a Miko Hardman weirdness or a fumble where, you know, uh, Devin White type just picks a ball up and runs. I, I think that'll happen. I think we'll get some Brady mistakes. I think we'll get some Brady moments. Um, all in all, Brady will score at the end of the game to put it in a position where if he gets the ball back again, Tampa has a chance to win the game and he gets to do some Brady stuff. And Mahomes officially takes the torch from him by icing it on a final drive. Interesting. I will say we're, we, are, we are right where we're supposed to be. Because when we all watched this game last year, the Chiefs were down 20 to 10. And I said, we got them right where we want them. He did say that. At this point of the week, Peyton being pessimistic, everyone else being optimistic, we got them right where we want them to be. To be fair, Gabe, could things possibly be going off schedule for this team? Because I don't know. You guys have two starting tackles missing. You have – uh, you had a COVID scare, and yet still everything is right on schedule. And I think that that's the case when you have not the greatest quarterback of all time, but the best quarterback of all time. Yep. And that is what Patrick Mahomes is. And I think he's probably on his way to becoming the greatest. And by the way, this game does not have any bearing on the permanent direction of that discussion. No. I think we all agree. We didn't get to really dive into it today, but the fact that people are saying if Brady wins, Mahomes can never make up that gap is ridiculous. Mahomes has 15 years to make up that gap. And he very well might. So thank you very much to both of you gentlemen, Gabe and Peyton, for coming on and talking with us today. This was a great deal of fun. Of course, the big game is in two days, and we obviously cannot wait for it. So that will do it for us here today. You can go and check out our NBA show from this past Wednesday. You can go ahead and check out our last sports history pod. We talked about the top 10 quarterback receiver duos in NFL history on Monday. You can follow us on Twitter at nerd underscore sesh and on Instagram at nerd sesh. And so with that, I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Gabe Schwartz. And this was Nerd Sash.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.